0: Hey friends, welcome to The Collective Podcast in partnership with Watermark Community Church. I'm your host, Callie Nixon, joined by my beautiful co-host, Chelsea chafe and we are thrilled to welcome you to season four. This season, we're tackling hot topics in our culture, but in a super consumable time span, perfect for your morning commute, while you fold the laundry, or while squeezing in a workout. We are so glad you're here.
1: It's no secret that we're living in a really politically divisive time, perhaps one of the most in our history. And that's crept into the church. It's outside of the church. It's everywhere we look. There's vitriol, there's anger, there's frustration, and sometimes there's apathy because it just all feels so overwhelming that we don't even know how to engage. But here's what we know. More Americans today are marrying people based off of political affiliation than off of their faith affiliation. My name is Erica Paul, and that's a problem.
0: That's a huge problem. And y'all, my name's Callie Nixon. We're also joined as always by Chelsea Shea Friesen. But Erica, one of the main reasons that I'm really excited that you've joined us as a co-host for a couple of episodes this season is because, y'all, Erica started her career in politics and now has been building strategic partnerships for nonprofits for over a decade. So you understand the lay of this land probably better than most. I want to take you back to one of the things that you just talked about. You said that people are choosing marriages based over political affiliation more than faith speak a little bit more to that
1: yeah so about four in ten Americans who've married since 2010 have a spouse in a different religious group many of these are Christians marrying people who don't believe in God at all but 77% of people are now married to
0: someone in the same political party Wow that's huge and and tell us a little bit about your history with um, politics and how you've experienced this in that sphere
1: Yeah, absolutely. I understand this stat because for a long time I was someone who who championed political party over faith affiliation, if I'm honest, and that Mm -hmm. was as a believer. But for many, many years, especially when I was in politics. I upheld candidates as messiahs and policies as gospels. That was my primary tribe. And then I would cherry pick scripture to suit my political worldview. Mm-hmm. And that is a real, real concern. And frankly, it was idolatry in my own life. And I'm so thankful not to be held captive to that anymore. But I understand deeply the temptation to kind of fi- be in fight or flight mode when it comes to politics and faith.
0: And I see this truly, y'all, as such an opportunity for the church to step in, because this isn't a governmental problem. This is a spiritual problem in a lot of different ways, right? And we don't want to make the government be responsible for something that the church is actually responsible for. So that's why we're having this conversation today. We want to tell um, a couple of great ways for how you can enter into difficult conversations about politics. And so um, I'm super excited about where we're going this way. We want to ultimately encourage the women that listen to this, man, how can we embrace people who align differently than us?
2: And I think the biggest reason why we want to circle back on the why, why is this important is because exactly what you said, this is not just something we see outside of the church, big C church, little C Right. It is something we see that is completely upending our ability to walk in unity and in faithfulness.
0: Absolutely. You see someone and, and instead we really are leading with this in a lot of our conversations. So if you're a woman of welcome and you want all refugees to be able to enter into the U.S., we can't be friends. If, if you're MAGA and you want to build that border wall, we can't be friends. And y'all, our grandparents... We're friends, and they didn't share the same political parties. My grandfather, Start, was incredibly politically active, worked on campaigns of several U.S. presidents, started out as a Democrat, ended up as a Republican. Like, his values were not transient, but the way the parties identified were.
2: And I think one big goal of today, listener, is that we are not going to pressure you or push you in a certain political direction. We are hoping to engage the conversation of how to talk to one another in a God-honoring way and how to, quite frankly, agree to disagree in winsome manner so that we can begin to walk. Again, you can walk in unity without having to agree on every single thing and love without having to be on the exact same page. We see that in Christ. He didn't agree with sin, but he knows how to love despite it and walk alongside it.
1: To your point, Chelsea Shea, our world is in desperate need of this alternative way of being in in the world and and even in the political system. And so as Christians, we know we have a responsibility to the people around us. We know we have a a responsibility to love one another well. Jeremiah 29, seven says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So Christians do have a role to play, but we believe that there's a better way than what we've been talking about that allows us to both vote but also take personal responsibility in our day-to-day lives to actually live like Christ lives.
2: Yeah, and so we spend some time offline discussing and coordinating and prayerfully considering a couple of key ideas for us to take to heart, but then to share with you. And the the leading one we want to begin with is to de-escalate. The conversation is so tense, and we have got to look beyond the policies and see the person. We've got to look beyond. On the line that we've drawn in the sand and see the soul standing behind that. And so to begin to um, bridge the gap of single party identity and correctly meet people in their needs, be gracious with others. And the big one, when we say deescalate, consider thy tone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's so much you can say, but if you change how you say it, it lands so much sweeter.
0: And we duked it out over this point, y'all, as far as like the verbiage (laughs) and the word that we were picking, because I'm like, I don't want to assume, I want people to see the person. I want someone to engage with the soul. But the problem is where I finally acquiesced is we really do enter into these conversations with a certain energy about Mm -hmm. us. And so the fact that we could tell ourselves to just like take a breath and come from a place of love, a lot of what's going on that creates some of this tension is fear. Mm -hmm. And so it just makes me think of 1st John four eighteen that says, perfect love casts out fear. And I know none of us are able to love perfectly, but I do feel like when we're taking our burdens and our fears to the throne of God, there is kind of an exhale that happens. And then I think once you've exhaled, you're actually able to realize that the differences you have are not quite so huge. I feel like most of the time when I sit down with someone, even if they're on a totally different political side of the chasm than I am, if we really, if I enter the conversation with curiosity and I'm inquisitive, I find that that old Maya Angelou poem is true, that we really are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. And to your point, Callie, I think sometimes we
1: have this understanding of love as this sort of weak position. Like when I, when this was an idol for me and I was in fight mode in politics, I would hear something like this of, oh, perfect love casts out fear. And I viewed it as a bit naive. (laughs) Because I was like, well, good, awesome. good for you. There's somebody out in the streets fighting your battles for you, you know, not recognizing at all the role of the Lord in all of this. And the reality is that what we're talking about, perfect love, casting out fear, is courageous. Yes. It is bold. Yes. It is the hard way. Yes. What we're talking about today is not the easy way out. This is an invitation into an incarnational type of living and being in the world that is actually so much harder than just being passionate on Facebook and Instagram and casting a vote in a booth.
0: So for the girls in the Preach. back, I just got chills on myself. But for the girls in the back, define incarnational living.
1: It is it being the embodiment of Christ on earth. Right. Mm.
0: So we deescalate. Yeah. Secondly, We disagree with dignity. Y'all, outside of my children falling in love with the person of Jesus Christ, what I want for them most is to learn how to disagree with someone with respect. Um, There are dear friends in my life that see things very very differently than me and I think we've lost that a little bit as a society Uh, Plato and some of the other early philosophers of Mars Hill they would literally sit on the rock I've sat on that rock before they sit on the rock and they disagreed all day long and then they went home to their families and they came back the next day and they did it again and they hung out with each other
2: yeah. And a verse that really stands out in support of what you're talking through is Colossians 4.6. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone.
0: I love that verse. Another version says your conversation be seasoned with salt. And I think that's such a perfect way to look at how we would engage in a conversation like this. And one of the things we say around here a lot at Watermark is if in any type of difficult conversation, it doesn't have to be conflict, but oftentimes we seek to be understood. Mm -hmm. That, That is a great need. And I'll confess, that's probably one of my Um, biggest struggles is I'm okay if you're mad at me for something I actually did but if you're frustrated with me because it feels like you don't understand my heart or my motive or my intentions I really struggle with that and so just laying that down in these conversations and going I'm laying aside my desire to be understood and I'm actually going to spend time trying to understand you and where you come from because a lot of times some of our hard-held beliefs on things like Um, I want to vote Democrat because they're more courageous to refugees and immigrants. That has a lot to do with what you've walked through in your history, where you come from, what your family's built up as. And so if I if I take time to be curious and ask you questions, I'm going to end up in a much better headspace. Which takes us back
1: to why it's so important to lead with Christ and not lead with political affiliation. But because it's dehumanizing when we lead with political affiliation and when that's the lens we're viewing people through. And if we're in a place of just like actively fighting um, politically... A lot of the time, the the person on the other side becomes either an enemy to be defeated or yes. an oppressor to be avoided. Right. And in reality, these are neighbors to be loved. These are men and women created in the image of God that we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus to in the world.
2: Mm. And so I think the goal of the conversation and the big wrap up to the the idea of disagree with dignity would be to not aim at winning the conversation, If you go into the conversation trying to feel understood and come out like you've won, that's a miss. It is to be winsome and be an excellent listener and to seek to understand them.
1: Absolutely, Chelsea Shea. And that actually calls to mind as we think about, okay, if we're going to um, treat people with dignity, we're de-escalating these conversations, we're having these conversations where we're listening and we're treating people with love. It reminds me actually of... Um, of an MLK quote, where he talks about how the church um, is not merely intended to be a thermometer that records the ideas and principles of popular opinions, but is intended to be a thermostat that transforms the mores of society. Mm. And so the the question that we really want to bring home today is, what does it look like for us in the year 2022 as Christ followers to not just take the temperature of our political culture and often reflect it, but rather actually set the temperature and be a thermostat in this world?
0: And the answer is through daily ownership. Right. The, the reality is we get a chance to vote... About every two years. Obviously, some like local council elections are, are going to look a little bit different, but you get to vote on one day every two years, but you get to walk out your beliefs through your lifestyle every single day of your life. So, I think my challenge would be man, if you're passionate about it in the sphere of government, go get involved in legislation. L- learn how policy actually gets made. Another thing that I would challenge us to do is diversify your input. It's probably a really good idea to have friends in your life who think differently than you. If you don't listen, I work at a church, right? And so I have to work harder to make sure to look out into my neighborhood in and around the spaces that I have so that I make sure I pursue friendships where people think differently than me.
1: So, in addition to diversifying our input, it's also really critical that we dive in and have proximity to the people who are at the center of the issues about which we're passionate. So we're not saying today, don't go out and vote passionately or don't be politically engaged or don't advocate for certain legislation. The reality is that is a part of what it is to be faithful to what God's called us to do in 2022. But what we are saying is don't let that be the extent of it. Don't let that be um, the thing that drives you and where you find your identity, because we are called to actually engage with the men and women who are at, and children who are at the center of these issues that we're advocating for. Um, so there's a great quote from uh, Eugene Cho and thou shall not be a jerk that just says if we're not willing to cross the That's street- a book, ladies. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> for real. <laughs> for real. <laughs> thou shall not be a jerk. If we're not willing to cross the street to love our neighbor, we have no right to be enraged at national politics. If we're about kingdom work in our neighborhoods and cities, we can help to bring about positive change nationally. So... In other words, if we're just voting every couple of years, then we are part of the problem. Yes, we need to do that, but don't, let's not just do that, right? Like, let's embody our faith. Let's serve each other. Let's advocate for the last and the least. Let's share the gospel, work for the common good, pursue justice, and seek the peace of our cities.
2: A 100%, Erica. And that leads me to my next thought. Proverbs 18, 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Mm. And so, That doesn't mean everything you're going to listen to is the correct uh, policy to stand on. But what it is asking us to do is to close our mouths and begin to use our ears to understand where other people are coming from. Because you never know where you may have been pigeonholed into some very wrong thinking yourself. And quite frankly, it's extremely selfish to think that you're the only person who has the right to speak. And so, if you can diversify and at least have the courage, you said this earlier and I loved it. It's courageous to do this, to listen and not need to win. I think that that really will broaden the scope of your ability to be gentle and loving and winsome with others. But if all you're ever doing is hearing and listening to the same things, I think you're going to find that it builds up um, a, a lack of leniency, a lack of care, and quite frankly, an inability to flex towards somebody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we we have a real issue with echo chambers now. We all know that. We can create, we can create a life for ourselves where everything that we listen to, everything that we read only serves to support what we believe. Right. That's a possibility now in ways that it has never been a possibility before. And it's really dangerous. And and the reality is the truth is often somewhere in the middle. But as we know, the truth is actually found in scripture itself.
0: So, Erica, as we're trying to diversify our input, I think what we're not saying is go watch five minutes of Fox News and then five minutes of CNN. Mm-hmm. What is it that we're actually saying? What are some ideas?
1: So for me, one one thing that I uh, that I think is really, really important is when I'm scrolling through, whether it's Twitter and social media, if you're, everything you're seeing is only serving to bolster exactly what you already believe chances are we've you've created an echo chamber for yourself. And so for me, if I find myself just like, if I find that my anger, anger for me is a real clear indicator of this. So, mm-hmm. because the thing is, danger and fear drive a lot of our political rhetoric rhetoric today and candidates and parties know the easiest way to get someone to a voting booth is by scaring them that's so and true so there is a ton of clickbait it's also driven by and i am not a conspiracy theorist but it is driven by money no. these are these people are making money off of our anger and our rage and so i find that if i if my heart rate's going up when i'm scrolling through twitter or if i'm on instagram and i'm seeing a lot of things that are just causing me to frankly to to despise the people around me more than I did before, and it's making it harder for me to be Christ-like and to love people as myself,
2: that's a problem. Yeah. And it, it leads us into another thought, which would be, be devoted And that's what you're saying. Prioritize. If you can see that your anger is stirred to a point that you are unable to be gracious, throw a flag on yourself. And we have our um, producer was mentioning that they found that in themselves as they were walking down their neighborhood, they'd see political party signs and that was hard for them. So they committed to walk back from that and go, you know what? We're not going to engage. We're not going to put those up as a a way for us to take a step back from that conversation because I want to approach everyone in my neighborhood with Jesus and love first and earn the right to be heard in those conversations and begin by listening, not with aggressive assumptions. And so we want to be devoted, which means faith first, political party second. And Acts 5.29 says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So that's our priority, right. obeying God rather than men. But we see in Titus three nine avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So if we are able to prioritize the Lord first, and then realize that, yes, it's worth having a conversation, but not taking it into quarrelsome dissension, then we are sitting in a faithful position.
0: That's so good, Chelsea Shane. I think what that reminds me of and i know this this stat can be like and this verse can be overthrown and maybe used too much in different uh circles but i do think it's an important stat to just bring yourself back to is that between any two humans the amount of genetic variation so their biochemical individuality is about 0.01 percent so i know i quoted my angelou earlier but like y'all we are alike we are more alike than we're unlike, And that's what Paul's talking about in Galatians 3, verse 28, when he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And so the more that I can come from a place um, of looking at someone and going, oh, brother, sister, that is me being devoted to my daily ownership, that I'm taking ownership of one who I am in Christ and who that other person is that's sitting across from me is in Christ.
2: Yeah. The reigning thought, I feel like I continue to hear as we converse and that we want to share with you, listener, is stand firm in what God has put in your heart Right when it comes to policies, but engage with
0: winsome, loving, Christ-forward affection. Right. Absolutely. So... In conclusion, we want to encourage and even urge you all that we recognize the environment that we're in. We are going to be prone to be moved towards fear. But young friend, we have been through worse than this. And God is still on his throne. And so I think what we would tell you to do in this political sphere, three things. De-escalate the conversation, disagree with dignity, and take daily ownership of your own soul. We love you guys so much. There's, of course, so much more we could talk about on a conversation like this, but our prayer is that we get you started to look a little more like Jesus every time you have a conversation with someone who thinks differently than you all. As a reminder. We're always here. We're always here at The Collective. You can visit our website at watermark.org slash collective. You can follow us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. If there's somebody you think would benefit from this episode, we would love for you to share it with them. And as always, we would love to pray for you. Send us your prayer requests at collective at watermark.org. We'll see you next time on The Collective Podcast.